0: Welcome to Good News, being brought to you by Listening for Clues.
1: We are Lauren Welch and John Shemitak, deacons in the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland.
0: We sure are, and we've got some good news for you today. We're bringing you some good news from the Reverend Mary Luck Stanley. She is the co-rector of Old St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Mary graduated from Texas A&M and the Church Divinity School of the Pacific. Mary is one of four co-authors of the book, Grace in the Rearview Mirror, Four Women Priests on Brokenness, Belonging, and the Beauty of God. Welcome, Mary. We're so glad you're here with us today.
2: Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you, John and Lauren, and
1: thank you for inviting me. We're really happy to have you, Mary. To get started, and I know that you all talk about this in your book, but what inspired the writing of this book? Oh,
2: thank you for asking. I was part of a clergy colleague group, and I was actually paid to be the mentor through the Thriving in Ministry program that was sponsored by the Lilly Foundation and Virginia Theological Seminary. And we were all over the country. So we were meeting on Zoom. This is before the pandemic and before people knew how to use Zoom, so it was very exotic. And we had one in-person gathering, a retreat. And at that gathering, we shared our spiritual autobiographies with each other as a way of reflecting and getting to know each other more deeply. One of the things that we also did was to develop people's learning goals, and lo and behold, three of the clergy in the group had the learning goal of writing a book, and I felt responsible as the mentor, and because I I do write, I said, oh, okay, well, I'll help you write this book, and I never thought it would get published.
1: So that was a surprise,
2: huh? (laughs) It was a surprise, and we wrote together for several years, and my writing coach helped us with editing, and we we did meet one other time to have a writing retreat and talked about the theme of our book, but in a way, we all wrote, and the theme emerged, so we were really happy that it came together toward the end. Can you talk about the theme of your book and how that evolved? Yes, we really wanted to write a book that would invite people to see God at work in their everyday lives. We started with a conversation about how every human being really yearns to have encounters with something greater than themselves, the sacred, or call it a higher power, you know, God, if you will. And so we really wanted to try to write some stories that would help people to see, you know, God is in the ordinary. As much as in the extraordinary and the obvious.
0: And so, Mary, that sounds like something that is a, kind of a universal need or a universal theme for people. The, the reason I'm saying that in your subtitle, there's four women priests. And uh, I think, as I wrote in my review of your book, uh, I'm neither a woman nor a priest, nor am I married to a priest. And so, you and your co authors are all Episcopal priests married to Episcopal priests. Is that right?
2: Yes, and we all have children, and so we did think that we had um, a particular voice, a particular contribution, and we really took seriously that there are lots of theologians, and really everyone's a theologian when you talk about God, but that a lot of the theologians in the past were men. Those are the people who wrote and were revered. We really took seriously that we're theologians and we're women, and we are going to reflect on God from a perspective of women today who are right in the thick of lives.
0: And that is something that has relevance for people who are not women, who are not priests, who are not married for priests.
2: Well, there's a guy in my parish who said, well, I, I don't know if I can relate to this. I, I, I've never had children, and, you know, I don't know anything about what you all are talking about. And I said, well, maybe you ought to read it and learn something about a different perspective. Maybe it'll add to your understanding of the fullness of God. And so I really think that the book is perhaps some theological reflection and some stories that people maybe have not encountered as much in the literature. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of theological reflection on things like infertility and adoption and raising children and marriage. And so I I hope that it's a real contribution.
1: Mary, what have you learned from writing this book and reading it and rethinking it And talking with people? Well, I'm starting to have kind
2: of an overarching theory about how the book came together for me and and answering the question, why? Why did we construct the book this way? Why did we write it? How would it be helpful to people? And so what I think is that if you start with the understanding that every human being yearns to connect with something greater than themselves, And you can call it different names, higher power, God, whatever. But if you start with that, and then you also have an understanding that God is omnipresent and is all around us all the time, then the question is, why is it that people sometimes feel like it's so hard to experience God, to connect with God, to be in the presence of God? In some ways, it's really easy to be part of feel connected to God when you're looking out at the ocean or you're hiking a mountain and seeing gorgeous views or when you witness the birth of a child or you're falling in love. But it's harder in our lives to see God when we're right in the midst of a crisis or a very stressful time. And so, I've had that experience where, during a stressful time involving grief and and illness and death, that it felt like God had left the building. It felt like I was abandoned by God. And that presented a lot of questions and problems for me. I think that what happens is that when we're in a crisis— we get tunnel vision. You know, we know that cortisol is a chemical that is a crisis response that help us to focus, but I also think that cortisol can help us or or create a sense of tunnel vision, and when you get tunnel vision, you're very focused on solving a problem to get out of the crisis, but also you can't see the perspective around what that tunnel vision has focused you on, and so I have this this theory, and it's not my theory, it's, it's based on psychology and things I've read and my experience, is that sometimes it takes time, like years of healing, to get to the place where you can look back on a stressful situation and not still have tunnel vision, but be able to mine that and look around and ask the question, where was God in the midst of that awful time when I just felt like God had left the building? And so my experience is that looking back on those kinds of memories is a healing process. And it's funny that a lot of people who've read the book have talked not only about having tears as they read the book but also raucous laughter. And I wonder sometimes about the cathartic and medicinal benefits of both laughter and tears when we go back and we we look at our memories and uh, we need to have some kind of movement there. So what I hope is that this book is an invitation to people when they're ready to look back on their lives to consider writing a spiritual autobiography or just sharing stories with whoever their trusted people are. It'd be great for a book group. And I hope that that's cathartic for them and that somehow they say, oh, wow, it felt like God was absent from this situation, but really I see God's grace at work now. And the great thing is that now that I've been thinking about it, and I've had that experience enough times, the next time I get into a really horrible phase of my life, I think I'm going to have more confidence that I'm going to know I have tunnel vision right now. It feels like God's not here because I'm suffering too much. But if I wait long enough, I will gain perspective eventually. And I know that's a, a, a long answer. But that is my perspective and, and the way that I've been thinking about this
1: book.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is actually points very clearly to the value of experiencing that book for the general public, because I think that, again, I think that's a universal Issue that we all struggle with. You know, you mentioned there were times when God—it felt like God left, had left the building—and I think all four of the, the segments by each of the authors kind of ha- hinted at that or stated that clearly that there was a, a time where some, you know, some of us might even call it a, a sort of a lack, a loss of faith. And you think, wow, here are priests actually talking about times when God seemed absent from their lives. And that was, that was to me, was really some of the more, more poignant kind of moments. And, and Samira, I'd read your book the day it came out, I think. And then I I did a quick refresher. And uh, once again, I was glad I had a box of Kleenex handy. But I was thinking, how was that for you to actually recall? I, I don't want to do spoiler alerts for people that haven't experienced the book yet. But how was it for you to actually recall some of those moments of deep, deep emotion and, uh, You know, you talked about forgiveness. You you, you talked about so many major themes in a a very tiny space of, of pages. But for you personally, how was the experience of recalling those memories and writing, actually writing this down?
2: Yeah, there were there were moments of catharsis, and I had my own tears and my own laughter. I mean, I felt like all four of us. The four co-authors are myself, Kelly Demo, Samantha Vincent Alexander, and Melissa Wilcox. So we did not set out to write this book the way that it turned out. We set out to write, and we said about every three weeks we would share essays with each other and I, my impression was that each of us was looking back on our lives and asking ourselves, and, and I know this is a weird way to say it, but what is it that's vibrating? What in our past could we write about that has resonance? And... That's what we wrote about and it came together. I, I hope it's the Holy Spirit at work knitting us together. We, we don't spend time together. We're in we're very different locations. We still have a colleague group, but we're not checking in about the book. But my experience of writing the book, first of all, was I was in awe of my fellow authors. They crack me up. They are so funny and so courageous to write about the things that they wrote about, and so vulnerable and so faithful right in the midst of that. I mean, I'm really so inspired by their faith, their stories that they shared. And and then in my own writing, I, I just, I think it was helped me emotionally and psychologically, and I hope that's an invitation to people to recognize that anybody can write, I'm not a big writer. I mean, I'm an Episcopal priest, but I have stories to tell, and other people can tell their stories too, and putting it down on paper is a wonderful psychotherapeutic and spiritual process, and then sharing it with people. What's that saying about bringing things out into the open, that sunshine is the cure for a lot of what ails us? And so taking things that were hidden, especially things that might involve shame, and bringing them out and speaking forthrightly about them is a way of letting sunshine come and, and disinfect the shame and transform that to something sacred. So, stories in my past that maybe felt hidden or confidential or too private to discuss, I brought those out and I feel a sense that they have been transformed. I feel some resurrection, some new life right in the middle of that. One of the things I wanted to say was how much Frederick Buechner inspired me for years and years, and can I just read this quote because it's my favorite thing ever, and we put it as the first thing in the book, but this is from his book Now and Then, A Memoir of Vocation, and so here's Frederick Buechner, a great theologian and writer. He says, listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery it is. In the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness, touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments, and life itself is grace. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your experience has been in the Episcopal Church. But I'm a cradle Episcopalian. I went to an Episcopal school. I grew up in the church. My dad was a priest. It was shocking to me as an adult for someone to say, look for God in your life. I don't know why that was shocking to me, but it's almost like my upbringing in the church um, always led me to be looking for a transcendent God outside of my life, my relationships Another thing that I encountered as an adult, and and this was through a church called St. Gregory of Nyssa in San Francisco, Gregory of Nyssa really talked a lot about friendship, our friendship with God. And I had never considered that that was possible to have a friendship with God, and it led me to do a lot of thinking about God being working through my friendships to care for me, to nurture me. And all of a sudden, a a far away, transcendent God became very present to me and very imminent in my life. And I started to see that no matter how bad things got in my life, that God was going to work through the people in my life to send care and even rescue when needed. So I hope again that, that this book invites people to consider that God is right there in their everyday lives. And that even when they're a little bit blinded by tunnel vision or stress or grief or whatever it is, that with time, they might be able to look back on those experiences and see things through new eyes to see how God may have been present all along.
0: Yeah. And, and so, Mary, I think one of the things that's just great, too, about your book is that it, it certainly is meant to be, to be read. By a person sitting and, and reading a book, like I did earlier this summer, but it, you also have some wonderful structure. And each after each of the vignettes, there are some questions for reflection. And that, you know, you mentioned a book group. I could envision this also, and I think you even suggested, that could be a great material for for a retreat or for people doing discernment in a group kind of setting. It's just, it's great. You've got the questions, the kind of the starter prompts to to doing deeper reflection.
2: Thank you. I really am amazed. Book groups are such a big deal. People love their book groups and book groups become places where people share their lives. And journey through life together. And and wow, book groups really got people through the pandemic, didn't they? And so I hope that this book is used by book groups who will read it together and reflect and then again be led to reflect on their own lives. The four authors really just wanted to say, look, we're inviting you to reflect on your lives. Now we're going to show you how it's done. And we're going to share these stories. We hope it makes you laugh and cry and now you go do it. And I really am um, hoping and praying that church groups and non-church groups will find ways to find meaning and inspiration in the book,
1: Mary. And I think that, that they will, especially because the questions at the at the end of each um, essay are are general questions. They don't pertain to the experience of the author necessarily. It can be your experience, which may be quite different, but with similarities. So the questions do invite people to be vulnerable. And I think that's what each of you all were, were very vulnerable. And that's not something that we're comfortable in doing these days. How has this, in, in your own personal life, Uh, enhanced your spiritual journey, your emotional journey in writing this book?
2: Well, I have now this theory, and again, it's not my theory, but I have this theory about when you enter dark times and how you can feel shut off and With time and experience and healing, you can look back and see you were not alone. That is a great comfort. I mean, it was the number one issue I had throughout seminary. I've been a priest for 26 years, and I guess it was so it would be, you know, 29 years ago that I started seminary. And probably the first day of seminary, they said, what's your big theological problem that you're going to work on here in seminary? And my theological problem had to do with a time in my life when my mother was ill and, and going blind and dying where I felt God had abandoned us. And I worked on it academically. I worked on it in my colleague group. I worked on it in CPE. And But I feel like I'm still working on it. This is still part of my work. And I wanted to put it in a book and share it because I do think that other people struggle with this feeling that when times are difficult, that God has left us in the lurch, that God is no longer with us. But what I remember after the 9-11 events that Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, who was a good pastor, had that quote that he published for children. And he said, you know, I always encourage children when there's a crisis, to look for the rescue workers. Look for the rescue workers, and that's where God is coming into the situation. And so that's meaningful to me, and I have seen that at work. And so it helps me to be comforted that I can go into any situation, no matter how difficult, with a sense of confidence that God is with me and that God is going to be doing everything in God's power, to somehow reach out, comfort me, and rescue me where possible.
0: That is, that's, really, that's really great news. It's not good news, it's great news. Uh, so
1: Mary, do you have anything else to add
2: before we leave? Well, it's an honor to be able to share my story, hoping that it resonates with other people and their stories. I do want to say that in the past 20 years, I have been inspired by people like Anne Lamott and her writing, and Brene Brown, who writes a lot about courageous sharing and vulnerability. And so I, I feel like we're not doing this all on our own. We're, the four authors certainly were influenced by these other great writers. And so we hope that our book is a contribution to people and that people will laugh and cry and find some comfort and also feel represented that things like infertility and adoption and ministry and the difficulties that we have in our lives, and Melissa talked about raising a child on the spectrum, that God's at work in the midst of all of that, and that we can bring that out and talk with each other about it and find support, especially in the Episcopal Church.
0: So Mary, your book is Grace in the Rearview Mirror, Four Women Priests on Brokenness, Belonging, and the Beauty of God. I know that's available on Amazon because that's where I got it, so we'll put that link in the show notes. One
2: thing I wanted to add is that I've already gotten three requests from people's book groups who would like me to zoom in to the first meeting of their book group when they're oh, wow. reading the book. And, you know, I'd be happy to do that anytime. It, it would be a joy to pop in. And so, anyone who thinks that would help with their book group, process, let me know. Contact me through my email. It's listed on the church website. My co-authors would be happy to pop in and be of support in any way that would help.
0: Wow, what a treat that would be to have one of the actual authors at your book group that doesn't happen that often so that's a great that's a great offer so folks if anyone who is watching or listening and would like Mary or one of the other co-authors to participate in the kickoff to your book group just check out the the web link that'll be in the in our show notes for Old St Paul's in Baltimore Maryland and you can get in touch with Mary and she'll help make that happen for you so gosh Mary thanks so much I feel like I've been on sacred ground with you today Walking walking a very holy journey and makes me want to take my shoes off, which are almost off anyway. But this is this has just been a real treat. It's been wonderful to see you again. And you're, this book is just jam-packed with, with goodies for folks. So thank you very much for, for writing it. But also thank you for spending time with us today.
2: Thank you, Lauren and John. I love what you're doing here. I love this podcast and the focus of it and it's so needed. So it's an honor to be with you and to
1: contribute to sharing the good news. And John and I want to thank our viewers and listeners today too. We cannot spread this good news without you. So please take a moment to comment, like, and share on all your social media platforms. That will help us spread good news to more people. And until next time, peace and blessings.
0: Good news is being brought to you by Listening for Clues. You can find us on our website, listeningforclues.com, our YouTube channel, our Vimeo channel, and just about every podcast platform that there is. Hope to see you soon.